Hi, and welcome to the American Mill Spouse Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Smith. This week, I had the opportunity to talk to Jessica Deanst. Jessica is an amazing wife, mom, and a self-proclaimed lifelong student. Her husband's a flight test engineer, and together their family lives in Edwards, California. In this episode, we chat about the challenges of progressing in a nursing program while adapting to the demands of the military. And we also hit on some especially sensitive challenges that come with raising a child who doesn't necessarily have what we think of as a conventional parent situation. I personally am so thankful for her grace and honesty here, and I hope that we can all take away from this the reminder that as parents, those of us who are, we are all parenting through different seasons and different challenges and that we are absolutely all just doing our best to love our kiddos through every last bit of it. I love chatting with this sweet friend of mine and I know you're going to enjoy it. So let's get started. Hey, I'm Jessica. Obviously, I am married to Brian. I've been married for six years. Brian is an FTE or a flight test engineer, currently working on F-35s, and we're stationed right now at Edwards Air Force Base, and if you don't know where that is, it's probably a good thing. (laughs) Um, We have two kids. We've got two girls. We've got Taya, who is four years old, and we have Isabella, or Ella, or Bella, um, and she's 14, so we've got quite a big age gap between our two girls, but they're great about myself. Let's see. I'm a lifelong student. I think is I, I think I've labeled myself as lifelong student status. So <laughs> I feel like it's never ending. Mm-hmm. Especially being a military spouse and moving every couple of years. It's like my education is just extending longer and longer. But eventually I will be a nurse. Yes, it's not a will. question. It's a statement. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's me. Lifelong student status. Mm -hmm. And with that, tell me a little bit about what's on your mind lately. I know a bit about what's been sort of consuming your thoughts, but share that with our, with our audience. Oh goodness. So I'll start by saying a year, two years ago, I applied for nursing school in Las Vegas and I was accepted. I found out I was accepted that October and then I was supposed to start school in January of 2019. Um, and two weeks before school started, I found out that my husband had got accepted, gotten accepted into test pilot school and we were going to be moving in six months. And if, for those of you who don't know much about nursing programs, they don't transfer easily, um, if at all. So you, it's not like you can just start and then transfer programs to another one. Um, it's a, it's a process because each school has their own prerequisites and Mm -hmm. other things that you need to have done. So I, and I also realized that if I started that program and only stayed in for six months, I would be taking a spot from another student who could possibly complete the full program. Mm. So it would be kind of selfish of me to, to start that. Um, caring and selfless heart that we just spoke of yesterday. 
gosh, dang it, it gets me every time. <laughs> um, so I decided to withdraw, and then we ended up moving to California, Edwards Air Force Base, um, for my husband to start a year, his year-long school program, mm -hmm. um, where I was lucky and happy enough to meet my beautiful friends, and you were yeah. one of the best parts of being there, so... Mm -hmm. It all works out in the end, you know, but it has been a journey. Um, mm -hmm. The minute we found out that we were staying here, um, I immediately applied to the local school, which when I say local to the base, it's still nothing. 40. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nothing is local to Edwards Air Force Base, unfortunately. <laughs> right. So it's a 40 minute drive to that school. And then the next closest school is an hour. Mm -hmm. So, um, there really aren't that many possibilities, like there are not very many opportunities for nursing school out, out there. And so it's, um, it's, it's kind of, this is my only shot is, is to hear cause I have two kids at home and to commute anything over an hour is just almost not reasonable for my right. family to balance sure. that out, you know? So, mm -hmm. but because I have, we've moved so many times I've lived, I've gone to so many schools that I have a ton of transcripts to transfer every single time. And each school, they get to decide which credits they accept and which credits they don't accept. And mm -hmm. so it was a long and arduous battle <laughs> of getting everything sent over and accepted and then finding out it wasn't accepted mm -hmm. to getting to where we are now when I just, um, I applied with the points that I had and I didn't have enough points to get into the program for this fall, mm -hmm. uh, which when I applied, I was like, I have to get in this past mm -hmm. week when I was waiting to find out if I was going to get in, I was like, I kind of hope I don't get in this fall. So mm -hmm. it ended up working out, you know, because we've got two kids that are going to be starting school. I don't know where they're going to be at. And so I feel like I can't focus on me if my household is not settled. Sure. You know, I get that so. completely. Mm -hmm. so. I think that's so frustrating that school gets to decide because I think for someone in your position, of which there are many people, you don't even have the ability to say, I know these eight classes will transfer. So let me focus on those first because we know we could always be moving. Like you said. Okay you were, you had the awareness of exactly when you'd move and chose not to start in Vegas. But what if you had found out even a month later, you would have already started school, right? And then been six months in and it just stinks that you can't be any more strategic about what you try to do to set yourself up for success. That you right. just take the courses that you can that are available and just cross your fingers and hope that wherever you're sent next will decide those are the ones that work. And I feel like yeah. I've watched you do it and I've, I'm so frustrated for the one step forward, two steps back of it all for you because right. you are just to see how willing you are to do it. And the yeah. fact that that willingness doesn't count. And I just think that, <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> truly that you're willing and that you have done it, not just yeah. Hey, tell me what to take and I'll take it. But one school has told you what to take and you've taken it and then you've moved. And then another school says that's actually not what we wanted you that's to take. The hardest part, I think that's the hardest part, hands down, about um, 
trying to further your education in our position is you can't plan the unplannable, you know, like you can't plan for anything. You can just Mm -hmm. only do what you can right now, you know, and then in the next, at the next place, do what you can there. I wish that there was some way to make it seamless for us. Um, I feel like that should be a thing. Um, they try to make it easier for military spouses by um, giving us in-state tuition once, like, if you're on the orders and you move to a different state, um, you automatically qualify for in-state tuition. So, like, that nice. And I know that there are things that they do once you are a nurse to transfer your licensure and stuff. Yeah. Great, too. It just stinks. And as, as far as your credits go, like, it sucks. Um, there are things you can do. There are things that I had to do here to have my credits accepted. Um, I was lucky lucky enough to know our previous base commander's spouse who was very uh, interested in spouse education and spouse workforce. And so she she actually knew the vice president of the school and was able to email him and kind of let him know the situation. And he happened to be the liaison person for the community and the base. And so, um, and they were able to, to work it out so that the school would end up accepting my credits, thankfully, you know. Which I have so much, I give you so much credit for advocating for yourself that way. Because I feel that not everybody has, first of all, not everybody is as warm and outgoing as you are in the beginning to even establish that relationship with the base commander spouse. But the fact that you advocated for yourself, explained to her what was going on, and of course, credit to her for speaking up for you. 100% credit for her doing that because it's something she didn't have to do. Right. But it's also maddening that it takes all of that for something that I don't believe in the end was a special favor done for you. I believe that the favor was simply somebody taking a second look and realizing what you already had did qualify. And I think it just really stinks that the first look you're just disqualified because of the semantics of it probably more than anything. And then it takes the fact that it takes such a heavyweight to come in and go to bat for you and again so much credit and so much respect to her and she's such a such a awesome person in general and I think it's wonderful that she did that for you I just think it stinks that she had to and it stinks that you had to go through that and it stinks I watched that battle for you and was frustrated I think that that so many so many spouses give up because it's hard absolutely and how many spouses just wouldn't even have the courage even if they knew that might be an avenue but wouldn't have the courage you had to do that and that's why I'm so proud of the way you have advocated for yourself and like you said you will be a nurse right and I think that's key for most people in our positions is like we don't really have people to advocate for us like yeah there are people who are like further up who say that they are but at the end of the day the only person who can 
advocate for yourself on your level is you, you That's know, and so if you're not willing to speak up and, and, and tell people what you need, nobody mm -hmm. will ever know what you need, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I just, uh, it's been <laughs> a battle, but it sure has. And I'm proud of you. And like I said a minute ago, you will be a nurse and you and I both know it. I just think you're also are unfortunately such an accurate testament to what so many people go through in this process and how many people have to either stay behind somewhere, sacrifice, right. Being I mean, yeah. their family to get schooling done because I know you said that could have been an option. You could have stayed in Vegas. Yeah. It's yep, my husband that far away. But that. Yeah. It was only three, about a three hour drive. I could have stayed with our kids. Um, and did nursing school. But to be honest with you, I was a single mom for eight years. <laughs> I didn't want to be a single mom in Las Vegas going through nursing school. Oh, for real. I, I think the toughest program of his life. Right. Right. He needed you know? that sport too. And I think about that so often right now, you know, Kyle's gone for what a month and a half. Yeah. And I sometimes am just nearly brought to my knees when I have just a day and I think about single mom. Oh it yeah. Just can just shatter my ego. And there are a few groups I have a bigger heart for because I think we get, I mean, you have done it, but even now we get small tastes of it when the guys are gone. And I think we are applauded for what we do, but there's an ending for us. Right. And I just get really worn out and I cannot imagine. And I know, you know, in your case, you were, you had family around you, which is the yeah. difference oftentimes for us, but the respect I have, because not only is it just exhausting physically and just the day to day of it, but emotionally, emotionally not, yeah. not having somebody to share that with, not having somebody yeah. to say today, I was talking to Kyle and just said to him, six times today I vacuumed Play-Doh up off the rug six times <laughs> yes and that's the kind of thing that is funny now but eventually will break you the sixth time the sixth time it's an anger vacuum you know it's not just tidiness it's 100 percent. absolutely just like no faith in my children's ability to keep anything on a table like down down like this. at that point till it's bedtime you're like oh i cannot wait to put yes. you to bed <laughs> and those are those things that and then i vent about it and we laugh and it's and we move on right and i just but when you're yeah. single and you're trying to raise little people you don't have you don't necessarily always have that emotional support mm -hmm. that our spouses give us every yeah. day, you know, or the days that they can give it. <laughs> mm -hmm. What was that? I mean, tell me more about what that was like when you, cause you have done it. You know, it, it's so hard because I can, I, yes, I can't take away from the fact that I, yes, I was a single mom. I did, however, have a, an amazing support system. My parents, we found out I was pregnant and they never let go, mm -hmm. you know? And so in that way, I was very lucky. However, at the end of the day, this little person that I had just given birth to, I am the, I am, I'm the end of the line for her. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, she is expect, she is depending on me to make 
the right choices that affect her and her life, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that was a lot of responsibility for that. That is, that's a lot of responsibility for anybody. Um, It's a lot of responsibility now. I think about most every night I go to bed, just, I think it's most of us do going through the things I should have done differently, the things I wish I hadn't done, the things that I hope that they Forget. Forget. <laughs> Don't remember in 10 years. Exactly. And unfortunately, Annie is a steel trap who will remind us, you know, about the pasture where she saw a cow when she was a year and a half. So right. I'm fully doomed. She has already got a laundry list for therapy, I'm oh. sure of it. But, <laughs> but really, that is a heavy burden at any age, yeah. let alone at, because how you were how old when you had I was that? 20 when I got pregnant. 20. So I was yeah. not like super young. But That's I was, super young. That's, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, like looking back, I mean, I was 31, I was 30 when I got pregnant with Tay and 30, like just turned 31 after I had her, like mm-hmm. a 10 year difference. And after having Taya, I was like, how the heck did I do this 10 years ago? <laughs> you know, like what? Yeah. I was too young for this. Like I was, I'm not, I don't even feel emotionally ready for mm-hmm. anything right now at 31, much less yeah. when I was 20, 21. Oh my gosh. So that's yeah, a testament think, to the fact that we are truly just all winging it and it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter yeah. if you're 20 or you're 30 or you're 40. You just, yep. winging it. Yeah. you just, you just keep doing it until you, until you get it, you know, keep them alive. Yeah. Oh gosh. Isn't that the mantra every day mm-hmm. at the end of the day? Are they still alive? Yes. Then I did a good job. <laughs> Success. Agreed. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, being a single mom, it's it's no joke. You know, you have to you have to make decisions every day um, of not what's just best for you, but what's best for your kid. And you have nobody else to rely on mm-hmm. to make those choices and those decisions. You know, and so because but Bella's birth dad was was he never in the picture. Um, no, he lived out of state okay. when I got pregnant and then, um, we were never together. And okay. so when he would come in town, he would visit maybe like one, one or two days a year. Got it. So def- definitely not, not any support, no source of support there. Yeah. No, not at all. So that kind of, um, was one of the biggest reasons, like I didn't really date a lot. Okay. When- when Bella was growing up, um, she, I had, I don't know, her dad and I would, we were friends. So, um, we talked a lot. I knew a lot about his past and how he grew up. Um, and he had grown up with a single mom and he, I remember when I was pregnant, one of his biggest fears, um, which became a reality for him in the end, but one of his biggest fears was, he didn't want to be an absentee father who hmm. walked in and out of his kid's life like his dad had done to him. Hmm. Which here we are. And yeah, here we are. But hmm. I mean, that kind of opened other doors for me later on. And thankfully I was able to meet Brian and share, you know, so interesting but, though, that that was so important to him. Yeah. But, you know, that was, you know, that was the one thing he, that was his like, Every time we would talk, mm-hmm. his fallback, he wanted to be there. He wanted mm-hmm. to be involved. But then when it came down to it, he just, he couldn't, you know. And I remember Belle and I had a conversation not too long ago, probably a couple, like a year and a half ago. And 
it was a, it was a very emotional conversation. So if I cry, sorry, but she asked me like, why, why, why wasn't he there? Why wasn't he, why didn't, why didn't he want me? Why didn't he want to be involved with me? I just had to tell her the truth. And honestly, I really believe the truth was just that he just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. You know, he just wasn't ready for that responsibility and it had nothing to do with her, but everything to do with him just not being ready to be a yep. dad, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and that's a conversation we're going to have to have again in a couple of years too. You know, it's an ongoing conversation, but. Oh, sure. I mean, that's an ongoing question for her, I'm sure. Yeah. And I think <laughs> each, as she gets older, even even if your answer is essentially the same, the nuance is different and she understands yeah. more and she, you can explain mm-hmm. more. And yeah, that's just, that is such a heartbreaking thing. And of course those are, that's not a bridge that we've crossed yet with, but those are, there are similar situations, right. That yeah. we're going to run into. And just the yeah. idea of ever having to address anything like that with your child who yeah. you want and love more than yeah. anything in the world is yep. just a, you want to be able to comfort their heart and their fears. And I, you, for me, it's like, I want you to believe that everybody feels about you the way I feel about you. And for there to be a situational example that would make them question that. Right. So difficult. And I think at the end of the day, we just have to continually remind our children that we love them and mm -hmm. that needs to be enough. You're right. They are loved mm-hmm. and and that needs to be enough. That they don't need to look for love in other places because it's already here. You're right. And I think too it's just the unfortunate reality that they are just forced to face certain life lessons earlier. They're life yeah. lessons we all learn because yeah. it doesn't have to be apparent for all of us to learn that not everybody feels the same way and acts the same way and does the things that we want them to do. I think what it comes down is rejection. You're right. They're learning rejection at a younger age than we have to, like at a more deeper level. Like kids Mm -hmm. learn rejection in different ways when they're like three, four, five, because so-and-so doesn't want to play with them. But it's a deeper level when it's your parent, your biological parent Mm -hmm. does not want to be a part of your life. Right. You know, and that's, that's, that's hard. That's deep. And it, and it hurts on a level that, that. In a, in a level, and just in a way that as moms, we spend so much time trying to protect them from from that. Yeah. It's just, I feel like it's this feeling that there's no amount of love we can pour into them that will not make that hurt. Yeah. And Uh, I think that that is. Knowing that you can't protect them from that hurt is the hardest thing as a parent that you can feel like Mm -hmm. watching them go through that. And perhaps that's also something that's the challenge for us is having to watch your child go through that earlier than most because for you. Feeling, feeling accepted and feeling loved is such a big confidence booster. It's such a steam booster and it helps. And that's kind of a foundation to help build you Big time. And you don't want your kids to not have that self-esteem, to have that Mm -hmm. boost, that step up, you know, in life, that Mm -hmm. backbone that kind of helps them stand up straight to know who they are, Mm -hmm. you know? And so 
when they feel that rejection, they don't know who they are. You mm -hmm. know, what is it about me that they don't want, that they don't love? And so watching. That's, that's such a good point. And you're right that I just, I watch my girls as young as they are. They're guided by right and wrong in general. And they'll, they see things that make their parents happy and make us sad and upset. And sometimes they don't give a shit, but it's <laughs> like the thing so that oftentimes <laughs> they are using that as a barometer yeah. for things. Yeah. And so it's just really confusing to be, to not try to rectify, you know, in their mind, they're trying to rectify it in that same way. Yeah. What did I do to cause yeah. it? Because right. for me, if I'm angry, mm -hmm. quite frankly, it's typically what you did to cause this was bring the blueberries onto the new rug that I told you not to bring the blueberries onto so many times and right. it's cause and effect. And it makes sense. Got mm -hmm. it. I won't do that. And that won't make her bad, yeah. you know, whatever. And it's so much different. It's so much harder to understand. To what is the cause? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I must There's... be the cause. Right. It must be me. Right. And you know, I feel like I spend so much time not because she says she needs that reassurance from me, but because I feel like I need to give her that reassurance that you are loved. You are wanted, you know, like Brian decided to adopt her a couple of years ago, which was a big deal for us. And, and thankfully we didn't have to battle anything. It was, um, a, it was a fairly easy process for us because he lived literally 45 minutes from us when we lived in Connecticut. He isn't her biological dad lived mm -hmm. 45 minutes from us when we lived in Connecticut and still did not want, he knew we were there. He didn't mm -hmm. want any contact, didn't, yeah. you know, didn't try to reach out or anything. Yeah. And so when I called him and I should back up and explain why we had, like I had his number but I chose not to call him over the years because when Bella was a year old, I realized that over the past year, I had done the reach, all of the reaching out to mm. give him the updates, to give him, to call his mom, to tell her how her grandchild was doing, how she was growing him, you know, just to, to send him all the pictures. And at first, like the first couple of months, it was like all the time. And then I started realizing he wasn't calling to ask. So I would wait mm -hmm. like three months mm -hmm. and I wouldn't hear from him. So I would call him and say, Hey, this is how your daughter is doing. You know, it'd be nice if you would call to find out yourself. Yeah. And then after a year, I realized, you know what? I'm not his mom. Right. I am your responsibility. Little girl's mom. It, she is, she's my responsibility to raise, you know, and I'm doing this alone and by myself. And if he wants to know how she's doing, he is fully capable of picking up a phone and calling mm -hmm. to find out how she's doing. And so I let him know that it wasn't like I just stopped a hundred percent. I just let him know, look, this is it. Like, if you want to know how she's doing, you need to step up and be involved in your support. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you say you want to be the dad that's involved. So this is your chance. Sure. So you be involved. Show me, show us yeah. her that you want to be involved in her life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he wasn't, you know, so it was like, once how disappointing. Year, yeah, it is. It is, you know, um, and I'm thankful every day for my dad. 
every day for my dad because she didn't have a father figure as in a biological father, but she mm-hmm. had a father figure in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, well, I can't say a negative thing, you know, like mm-hmm. my dad stepped in and stepped up and became that fatherly role for her. He was at every pageant. He was at every, she did dance. So she was at, he, he came to all of her dance recitals. He was at her plays. Um, he, my dad, oh my gosh, he would take her to school every day, pick her up from school on the days that I was working um, or in school myself. So like he just did it. So my dad, like he was the man. He was the man. He was the man in my life and he was the man in her life for yeah. a lot of years, you know. You know, and that's such a big deal. And I am spoiled with, you know, one of the greatest dads on earth as well. And I just think that you, my mom taught me how to be a woman and my dad taught me what to look for in love and yes. what to look for in a partner. And mm-hmm. whether or not that's your biological dad, yeah, I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but having that example yeah. in someone is so important. Yeah. Just an example of how someone should be treated. And I've been that for Bella. Yeah. And then when I met Brian, he just, when I finally introduced them to each other. Yeah. I, Tell me more. I want to, do you mind if I rewind a little bit and no. ask you more about that? I know you had said before, you know, that you didn't date much you yeah. as a young mom. Tell me when you started dating. a very good question because I don't like I went on a couple of dates here and there with mm-hmm. people but it was always just like nothing serious just like okay. nothing like just people that I knew that wanted to grab dinner or like hang out or we would go to party together or whatnot but it was never yeah. like anything serious relationship yeah and so um I had guy friends that Bella would hang out with all of us, you know, because okay. they were literally just friends. But anything outside of that friend zone, I would never, I had my, my number one was my number one rule for myself when Bella was born was that I would never introduce her to a guy that was not going to stick around. Mm-hmm. That I, so I waited, I always, my rule was that I would wait six months Okay. Um, before I introduced her to anybody, which six mm-hmm. months doesn't seem like a really long time. But well, I imagine that there's a tricky balance as well, because by that point, in a typical relationship, you're pretty well immersed in each other's lives. Right. So, and yeah. you don't, Bella is important to you in your life. And I could see how that would be hard because you don't want her to have people in and out of her life, of mm-hmm. course. And the older she got and the more her bio dad would be in and out of her life, the more cemented I was in that, in that rule, because I didn't want people coming in and out of her right. life. Sure. She and I think that's a big person in her life in and out like that. Sure. I didn't want her to think that that was normal. Right. You I know? mean, you also want to be sure that somebody you're going to be with jives with your daughter right at the like at the end of the day I could break up with a boyfriend but I will always have Bella yes you know and so I 
was her constant. Mm-hmm. So I had to give her stability in however I could. So that was kind of my, my way at 21 years old of giving my child, my one-year-old stability, you know, yeah. by um, saying, you know, like, I'm not going to just introduce you to anybody who comes in and out of my life, you know, mm-hmm. they, I, I need for her to have stability in all areas of her life yeah. as best as I could give that to her. So, um, so I waited six months. It was probably, maybe it was just like a little less than six months um, from when I introduced Brian to Bella. They had met before because Brian and I had met at church. Mm-hmm. So um, I would bring Bella to church with me. So he would see her at church, okay. but there wasn't like, I didn't, they didn't have a lot of interaction. Okay. Um, so I still remember the first time we all kind of did like a date together, yeah. I guess. Um, we went and there's a place here called Noodles and Company. And so oh, Bella yeah. I know Noodles and Company. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The mac and cheese is so good. Um, <laughs> so Bella ordered their mac and cheese. I still remember exactly what we all ordered. So we went and saw the Lorax together. And Brian's first memory of Bella is her running circles around him in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> How old was she at that point? She was five. Okay. How did Brian feel about Bella? So funny story. Brian thought she was annoying because I think any guy coming into the life of a five-year-old would look at a five-year-old running circles around him <laughs> as like this little person of like, I don't know what to do with all of this energy. Right. So being annoying right. isn't the right word, but more of like confused. Overwhelming. Sure. Overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but to take that back a little bit, Brian and I, we joke around about this a lot, so I don't feel bad saying this, but we had both signed up for, there's a dating site called Christian Mingle. Mm-hmm. We both made our free profiles and whatnot. And months later, after we had started dating, we kind of like had the had this conversation of like, yeah, I was on uh, Christian Mingle. And we both realized at the same time that we had both said no to each other <laughs> on Christian Mingle. So... <laughs> And our reasoning was because him, he sounded like a robot on his, I was like, he sounds so boring. <laughs> He's not, but no. when, it was like when he was typing up his profile, it was just like a, um, a resume of like, okay. da, da, mm-hmm. da, 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 this is me. This is, you know, what I do. <laughs> um, and then mine was because I had a kid, which I can't blame him because, right. you know, like. Especially, you know, I mean, at that level, like that's so mindless. So like left yeah. right. So later on, we discussed it and like, I, you know, I'd asked him because he knew I had a kid from the get go, like Mm -hmm. we were friends before we started dating. Um, and he, it didn't bother him that I had a kid, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't what he originally had imagined himself going with. Yeah. Well, I think everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but generally we all picture you grow up, you're whatever, mid-20s, get married, have kids. Yeah, like that. there's an expected order of things. Right. I can understand the hesitation when that pivots. But I feel like like his his ability to embrace Bella the way that he did just speaks about him and Mm -hmm. how loving and kind and generous of a man that he is, which I'm not one to like – toot my husband's horn all the time because they already have big enough heads as is. 
<laughs> but like I, you know, that's one of the things that attracted me to him so mm-hmm. much was that like I think as a single mom you already feel like you're broken. Like mm-hmm. you feel like you're like not whole. Um you're not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for somebody to come into your life and say that you are whole, that you are right, that you are good, um, good enough, um, was kind of a big deal, you know. Sorry, I totally went on a tangent. There. You didn't go on a tangent. You explained that perfectly, and that gives me extra warm fuzzies for Brian, who I already love. But he's wonderful, and he mm-hmm. so when him and him and Bella just kicked it off because Brian's a big skier. He okay. wanted his kids to ski. So that winter we got her on the mountain. Yeah. And they have this love of skiing now and Aww. go down. I can't go skiing with them because they go too fast and I have too much anxiety watching her. <laughs> That's me. I'm just a pizza pie, pizza pie. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, Brian, she's getting too close to the edge. Brian, right. she's going too fast. Brian, yeah. he's like, She's fine. She's not even going two miles an hour, Jessica. Take a chip pill. <laughs> Drink a hot toddy. You're good. Yeah. Like, okay, I will. <laughs> Twist my arm. See ya. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like they they just, I don't know, they vibe in their own way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brian's family just took to her like mm-hmm. peanut butter and jelly. They Which just, is so special too. That's, again, I mean, and that, ex- that explains more about how, why Brian is the way he is too. You know, yeah. he was cut from from a good cloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they are wonderful grandparents to her. She was never, and even to Brian, it's like stepfather was really difficult for him to stay. To mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. I could see that just, because that's one of those words that mean, can mean so many different things. There are does. people who have stepfathers who are their fathers for yeah. all intents and purposes. Yeah. And there are stepfathers who are coming, whether that's because they come into their lives really late or just right. the way the relationship is. That it's- when, when, when Brian adopted Bella, there wasn't a big change yeah. for us. It was literally just a piece of paper and her last name changing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, there's court documents that say she used to be this and now she is, mm-hmm. is Bella Marie Deans, you mm-hmm. know? The How weird- did she feel? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was going to say the weirdest thing about the adoption process is that I didn't realize that they would, that Brian would be put as her father on the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. I didn't, like, that was, seeing that was, like, surreal in so many ways because it was, like. It is interesting how that, that process, I suppose it's just for simplicity but mm-hmm. obviously for us the adoption process was an entirely different yeah. situation yeah. but it is a little strange because I never liked how it sort of felt like it rewrote what actually happened right it didn't feel right to me and it just still feels odd to me that I don't want to speak to your situation because and I know Bella's dad isn't in the picture, but with Annie's Annie's birth mom is. Yeah. And it just feels odd for her to just not be on it. Like I feel like there should almost be a a line for that or something. Right. 
right. when it's the details of what's on there and what her, the I mean, I guess like the process for us was that her biological father had to renounce his mm-hmm. rights. So mm-hmm. he had to sign them away. And then the court had to find Brian um, eligible or mm-hmm. what fit is the word? parent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Fit to be her parent, to take on that role. Because you, in at least in Connecticut, I know it's different in every state, yep. but in Connecticut at the time, um, you a father couldn't just give up his rights. There had to be somebody on the other end willing to oh. take that up. Oh, interesting. Okay. Unless the, unless the court deemed it and okay yeah and because the child need like because the father or parent mother or father needed to be removed. Gotcha. Uh, okay, and that could be the case everywhere. I don't know either. That's a good point. But, I but yeah, I and, I, and I totally see where I recognize that the purposes of a birth certificate go far mm-hmm. beyond just my daughter looking at it. But I think that's just where my struggle comes in is that I don't feel like her birth certificate tells her whole story, I suppose, which of course I can, but I just think that for you or me, a birth certificate uh, doesn't, a birth certificate can't be wrong. Amy has an original birth certificate Mm -hmm. with her, with her biological mom's name on it. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, I, issue, they issue a new one when she mm-hmm. became officially adopted. Yeah. That was, so Bella, we still have Bella's original birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And that's a good... I, like I can't just get rid of it. I don't think they can, but I don't believe that there's any way that we could be issued it. Right. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, I don't feel like I can get rid of it. Oh yeah, right. Because it's it's a part of her, you know. And, you're just, and again, exactly what you just said, it's a part of her story. Mm-hmm. And like, like yeah, it's null and void now, you know. But it's still like a piece of her past, yeah. yep. a piece of my past, right? You know. And so I, but at the same time, that conversation that Bella and I had a couple of years ago about you know why there was a, why she, her biological father didn't want her. There was a whole second half of that answer that I had to give her. You know, I told her, you know, yeah, your biological father may, was just wasn't ready to be your dad. But Brian, the guy that you call dad, that you've called dad since we got married, before we got married, has a hundred percent stepped into those shoes and proven that he loves you. He accepts you regardless of anything that you do, anything in our past, mm-hmm. you know, he just, he chose her, you know, he chose her. That. Right, he, exactly. And that's what yeah. I told her is he chose you mm-hmm. when he decided that he wanted to marry me. He knew that you were coming along mm-hmm. in the package. And so he chose you you know and so that was like I think I think at the time that was kind of like the big healing mm-hmm. portion of that conversation because yeah the uh, well, the first part hurts but yeah. she has this whole other side of you know she has loved she is valued mm-hmm. you know? she's yeah. chosen yeah and so 
So on a similar note, and this is for, applies to both Bella and sweet little Taya, but tell me how you want your girls to describe their mom. Oh, I want them to describe me as determined. I want them to describe me as kind and generous and loving. Um, that's what I hope they see. I think it would be hard not to. I hope so. <laughs> Parenting is so hard. It's so hard because like we have to give ourselves so much grace as parents because we can't see us the way our kids see us. True. Um, we'll never be able to see ourselves the way our kids see us. Mm -hmm. We don't see the mistakes that we make. Yeah. And so I think those weigh so heavily in our minds, we, we're too hard on ourselves, you know? Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I, I know right now I feel like our girls are in so much transition mm -hmm. that I just feel that for me right now, everything that I do like if I make a mistake, I feel 10 times worse because I think to myself, you were so short tempered there and you picked these girls up and took them away from all their friends and moved them across the country. And then their dad left it, you know? So it's like yeah. everything. I know that's not always the case, but there are so many times when that is the case where we're in these weird situations that are weird for them too. Annie fully knows what's going on. Right. To the degree yeah. that she knows her dad is gone and she doesn't mm -hmm. give why or where. And, um, you know, my mother-in-law just visited, which was so great for her, both of them to get to have family and see yeah. family. But at the same time, they, she has to go back. She has to go back yeah. to work. And so it's just hard and yeah. it's just really difficult to not carry the weight of that hardship that they're going through. Well, making your regular parenting mistakes. <laughs> it just can sometimes feel really overwhelming because it's also, it's hard. It's harder than the normal days because I have to, for instance, take out the stupid trash or, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or at least, you know, hope my neighbor mows their lawn. Your kids see you taking out the trash, you know, sure. they see yeah. you doing oh. that they see that you can do that and that you are doing that because it needs to get done. Mm. You know, and that's a good point. You know, and I think the Play-Doh that they spilt all over the floor, <laughs> they see you cleaning up the blueberries that they weren't supposed to take. Right. The new rug, you know, and that's then they see the cuddles that you give them and they see the books that you read them. They mm. see the time that you spend playing with them, making their home, their new house a home. Thank you, friend. That, you know, and that means a lot. And it's true because I think that it's so easy to dwell because I see them struggle when people leave. And that breaks my heart every time. Yeah. And that's a more obvious thing that they express. Yeah. And they don't, because they're two and three, they're not going to express, hey, mom, I see you being a, powerful woman who can run this house and handle this like because they don't even know what that means and I think that the best case scenario and what would be so cool is that they never even know that I did hard things that they just think that that's just something you can do yep. because 
of course you can. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Why is that? Like that's, I think perhaps a hidden blessing of military life yeah. that our we girls, are strong women. Yeah. That we are, we're raising them because we are, we're being them whether we want to or not. And yeah. they're watching us. hundred percent. I think that that's something I'm grateful for. And I really appreciate you pointing that out because I think I'm going to try to focus on that. Well, yeah. while we're kind of, I wish that there was a salve to give to other military moms to, you know, put to, to heal their hearts. Right. Looking at our girl, at our, our children, not even yeah. just girls, but our children, you know, um, and I think it's that's true. something that we just struggle with daily, you know. But yeah, and I think especially because we know it's easy to see what's hard. It's harder to recognize the things that they are learning. Yeah, it's harder to recognize the positives. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. It's so easy and in your face to see the bad, you know. Right. Um, yeah, because they're yelling at you. <laughs> all day, every day. Um, yeah. yeah, but you're right. That's the stuff because when they're 30 yeah, and they're not stomping their feet at you because you took away their toy, they're going to be, they're going to be channeling who their mom was at 30 or, you know, at whatever age they start remembering that. And that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. At the end of the day, being their mom is always going to be the most important job that I ever have. Mm -hmm. And so how they remember me in 30 years, I hope it's, it's a good reminder that they can do anything that they set their mind to do too. They can do hard things, not because they have to, not because they should, not because somebody told them that they can't just that they can because it's normal yeah every day is hard every day <laughs> so tell me about a fellow military spouse who changed you there are so many military spouses that have spoken into my life over the years um I grew up in the military so mm-hmm. my mom was a military spouse her friends my aunts you know as we would call them mm-hmm. Were military spouses. Um, my friends, as I got older, became military spouses, or they moved to Utah and were military spouses. Mm. Um, so I feel like I've had so many just speak into my life, but I have had one. I say this all the time: like when I grow up, one day I want to be just like her. <laughs> when I grow up as a military spouse, one day when I become like when I become an adult military spouse. Right. I want to be like her right. uh, and her name. I don't know if she's ever going to listen to this. I hope she does one day. And I hope she hears me say this because she will always say, Oh, I didn't do anything. Oh. Um, but Angie darling, that squadron, we had all of the platforms. So there were pilots, engineers, mm. enlisted, everything. Um, okay. Wizzos, everything, everybody was there. So there were a lot of, it was a pretty big, group. Yeah, I would imagine. And I remember getting there and just meeting her and remember how gentle she was. Mm. And up until that point, I hadn't had a commander spouse. Okay. Um, 
Brian and I met in Utah. And, and I'm sure that like, I know his commanders had spouses, but I was a girlfriend in Utah. So that was just different Mm -hmm. in general, but on the engineer side, they don't have as like tight knit groups, Uh group of squadron spouses as they do on the fighter side. Uh I feel like it needs to change. So (laughs) that will be you. I I mark my words. We will hang out. We will be friends. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I didn't, I hadn't had that experience until we got to Vegas. I will always look at her as like a mentor to me because she, she taught me you can do it all, do it all with grace and style. And she taught me, you're never going to make everybody happy, but it still has to get done. Mm-hmm. So you just need to get it done. I don't know. She's, she, Okay, so Angie has three kids. She was she is a preschool teacher to I think four year olds, three and four year olds, which blows my mind in general. Like, how can you parent three children and deal with a classroom full of kids? I think that all the time. Top of it, she was the squadron commander spouse, and she did all of it. Did all of the organizing, and yeah, and she still always had a smile on her face, Mm -hmm. and she was, and she still always showed up. Mm-hmm. And if you called her, she always answered her phone. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> she just ticked off all the boxes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just never had anybody I could go to to get advice and um, who was real with me mm-hmm. at the same time. Who didn't just pat me on the head and give me the, you can do anything you put your mind to. She gave me the realistic views of, of life. You know, yeah. She was truly a friend who cared about you. It wasn't just political or polite or right yeah that's a good way that's a good way to put it she wasn't just political she Mm -hmm. wasn't nice to me because she had to be nice you know Mm -hmm. so I don't know she made a huge impact on my life on how I treat other people Mm -hmm. uh, how accepting I am to other people I don't know the minute I met her she just took me in yeah and that's that's, people like that are really special I know you've spoken really highly of her before and yeah I think that's awesome and what an important, yeah, that's such an important takeaway because from what I'm hearing about perhaps her personality type and the way that she would approach that and saying, here's the things I didn't do, how much that's what we all do all the time. And at the end of the day, it's how you make people feel. Right. And exactly. it has a lot less to do with the laundry list of actual items that need to get done. Not saying she didn't do them. Obviously, I, I truly have no idea. But <laughs> that your takeaways aren't about what she planned. It's right. much more about the friend she was to you. And I, I think, think a lot of times you forget about the impact that you have on people's lives, no matter how short or how long you have with these people. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, like the, the little things that you do could impact somebody's life for the rest of their lives, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's something for me as an introverted person, I'm really trying to work on because because people we're will so totally, opposite in that where, you know, you know me, like I am, let's I go know. get out there. It's like talk yeah. to make as many friends as you can. And, and I find my, I mean, I think that's probably pretty natural for introverts that I find myself surrounded by so many extroverts, but that's because two introverts will happily 
exchange pleasantries and then get their asses home to their own couches. Right. Right. But as much as I am introverted, I still want people to know I care about them because I do care deeply. Yeah. But I you do I really bad, I think, oftentimes at whether or not it's ex- yeah, maybe expressing that. But even if perhaps I can express it, but I think for me it's the actions and yeah. that is where Which is still an expression. Yes, agree. You know, when you when you say you have a hard time expressing that in my as soon as you said you felt like you had a hard time expressing your feelings, uh, in my head all I could think is no, you don't. <laughs> so many mornings that I woken up, or so many evenings I would get home and on my front door I would have a bottle of wine and a note saying you're rocking it, you've got this. <laughs> it's shitty now, but it's gonna get better. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I still have your notes in my kitchen hanging on my oh, so on my bulletin board or, you mm-hmm. know. No, I, I, and I hear you. And that's, and that's truly because I have, I want to make sure that the people I love know that I love them. And I'm not necessarily always good about that being by me saying, let's, go do this thing or let's go do that thing because that's not what's natural to me, but that doesn't mean that there aren't ways for me to do it. And I think that's what has taken me some time because I don't like to be uncomfortable and I don't like to put myself out there in a way that would make someone think I (laughs) sounds really like something I probably need to dive deeper into about my own being, but (laughs) I'm not an overly eager person. And I guess I, for some reason, it's like, I don't want to be interpreted as overly eager. I don't want you to, you know, if you don't care about me in the past, it's been like, cool. Yeah. But I would always rather be the, I'd rather take that extra step. I take, rather take the risk and take the extra step because I think 99% of the time it's going to be well received. If it isn't, it's probably a lot more on the other person than it is on. on That's what I was just going to say. If, if it's not received, if something in a good, if something is coming from good intention, is not and is not received well that's not on the person who's giving it it's on the person who's receiving it I agree 100 percent. you know because I mean you just don't know where they are at you know you don't know where their mind is at yep so switching gears a little bit tell me about tell me what advice you have for fellow spouses advice that I have for fellow spouses. First of all, I don't feel like I'm well qualified to give advice. Why would that be? You have a wealth of knowledge. I don't know. I feel like I haven't been doing it long enough. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I haven't attained, reached that level. To... No way. No way. So this is what I have. Throw yourself out there. Regardless of what excuses that you have, put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You are only living in a place for a short period of time. So, Mm -hmm. and within that short period of time, people are going to move and people are going to come and then you're going to move and then people will move there. So you only have this much time. Mm -hmm. Make the best of it. You know, you don't want to ever look back and feel like you wasted time that you could have spent Mm -hmm. being more involved or making friends or having a friend. So jump in. I think that's so true because I think, Something that I I can be guilty of sometimes is I adore my husband and I yeah. love spending time with him and I love being at home yeah. and it is very easy for me. I don't have a lot of trouble being content in that way in terms of I being content socially is 
fine with me so long as I have my husband, my family, and like, you know, yeah. my friend from high school. <laughs> that's right. enough. That's, yeah. that's enough for me to talk to one of each of them each day for the rest of my life until I die. And that will be enough people to talk to. Yeah. But, but the, uh, the riches I would miss out on if I allowed myself to do that. And I have in the past, I have done that. We've been at uh, base when my husband was in B course, we knew we were there for whatever, like 11 months or something. I was lucky enough to form a few friendships that are super special to me, but almost in spite of myself, to be honest with you, because they were outgoing because they went in with the extra mile, but it's so easy to, and it, you need to be, you need to be content in just your own self yeah. in your marriage, because like you said, you are moving all the time. And if you don't yeah. have that contentness, then you're in trouble. Every single but, time you're going to struggle because you're not going to have a place. You're not going to yeah, have, but you're just going to have, it's just so much better to have those friendships and those relationships. And as much as I love him, like right now he's gone. And even so, I mean, I don't know a lot of people here yet. And that's fortunate that his being gone right now really underscores the importance of connecting yeah. to a new place. But it is, it's so important to jump in because that's what makes it fun that changes things that's how you grow that's the other thing I don't want my husband and I as we are right now to be exactly who we are at the finish line right and if we don't if we stop making friendships everywhere we go where it's going to be pretty close yeah because who I am before TPS and who I am now are super different right oh yeah and that's not just because it was hard it's because of the friends I made. It's because right. of the relationships. It's because of a lot of lessons learned. And yeah. I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. I think if you don't throw yourself out there to let people help you and be there for you, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you have to be vulnerable, yeah. Brene would say. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Thank you, Brene. <laughs> Let's jump into our final rapid fire round. Okay, I'm nervous. I believe that there will be perhaps one more person after you who will get these questions, and then I will come up with new ones okay. for the record. For those listening at home who are wondering how long this will go on. <laughs> Alrighty, so yes, no, and explain. Okay. I am content. No. Explain. I I have worked so hard to get into nursing school to um to not be in it right now is a struggle for me. And so I am I I'm just waiting for that. Like mm -hmm. I know that that's not like getting into nursing school is is not going to make me like it's not going to fulfill this like happiness bubble sure. inside of me but it is a goal that I feel like I need to attain I feel like I've I've had to put it on hold for so long so mm -hmm. many times I try not to think about it too often but I would be graduating this December mm. yeah that's Don't think like, about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> 
<laughs> that yes. it's rough though. Do you know what I mean? That's rough. And so mm-hmm. when I think about it that way, like I'm really not content <laughs> in sure. that. But so in education wise, no, I'm not content. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my family, mm-hmm. with being done with TPS, I'm really content. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. On a somewhat related note, I love where I live. I'm learning to love where I live. Good for um, you. There, I feel like that, I guess that's another thing. If I had to give advice to other military spouses, it would be um, focus on the positives of where you live mm-hmm. and not on the negatives. Because I could tell you, you know, living at Edwards, having to drive 40 minutes to get into town, you know, mm-hmm. hour and a half to two hours to get into LA to the airport. Yeah. That, it's hard to find contentment, happiness with where I live in that ways. But we just bought a trailer so that we can travel more mm-hmm. um, and be able to explore more of California. And it's beautiful. There's mm-hmm. so much to see. There's so much to do. And even though we are 40 minutes away, we're an hour and a half from the beach. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a day trip. Everything yeah. is a day trip. Um, so yeah. finding the positives of where we live, finding the positives mm-hmm. of the community that I'm growing at Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, there's strength in your community. Absolutely. So I feel like finding that strength there, like when you move to a new place is so important. So I'm finding that there, and there's a strong community at Edwards that Mm -hmm. I appreciate and that I love. Um, I am excited to be a part of. So I am learning to love. (laughs) Okay. Next one. I will call someone out. Yes, unless I talk to Elizabeth first, who tells me to delete, delete, delete. <laughs> well, now, to be fair, if I may, yes, as Elizabeth in this story, <laughs> in the instances that I'm thinking of when this has happened, it's not so much telling you not to do it. It is what I believe I've spoke about this in a previous podcast. I am absolutely an advocate for essentially calling someone out, which I just think kind of has a negative connotation. I'm sure there's a better term for it. But typically when I've said that to you, it's because you're mad because it's in the moment and because, because whatever the instance is deserves more. And because I know you better and I know your heart better than to want you to come at it angrily because, because you're likely right to address whatever that situation is. And you're right that whatever happened wasn't right, which is why I want better for you. And I want you to actually have a resolution, which is why I say, not that way, you know? (laughs) I agree. Or I I would try. So what what I'm saying is I have so much respect for you because I don't think you shy away from what is right and wrong. I think there is a time and a place. Mm -hmm to call somebody out Mm -hmm. on things that they say or that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Never in a public forum. Right. Um, But I do think that if what somebody does is harmful or can be harmful, 100%, I think that it it does need to be addressed. Um, Totally agree. 
So yes, I will call people out under circumstances that, you know, I, I feel, I'm not afraid to say what I feel, but I do mm-hmm. think that there's a time and a place to do so. And I think that when I'm angry and I text Elizabeth to say, <laughs> I'm really mad and I really want to say da 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 and Elizabeth responds, delete, delete, delete. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I think my answer is, yes, I will call people out, but there is a time and a place because I am emotional. And so I do feel... I feel what I feel, but I also don't ever want to hurt another person Mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. And so I -hmm. think that when you're calling people out during, like, depending on the situation, there is a gentleness that has to go along with that as well. Agreed. So. Last one. I'm excited about the future. I am. I am. I think that there are so many possibilities. I think that there's so much to look forward to. I'm very excited to see what is going to happen in the next couple of years. I speak a lot like about personally, because like, this is like for me personally, you Mm -hmm. know, and yes, I'm excited about the world and things that are going on. And like, there's a lot going on in our country right now that only get better, right? I hope so. (laughs) I really hope so. Um, But just like, as far as me personally, like when I think about my future and am I excited about my future? Yeah. I'm going to get into nursing school ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, my husband is going to move us away from Edwards one day. <laughs> I'm hoping that one day we get stationed at the same location again. Please. So there's all these things that I, yeah, I am very hopeful and very excited about the future. She's just such a good egg, isn't she? I'm so thankful that she's come into my life and now into yours. To learn a little bit more about Jess, you can visit www.theamericanmillspouse.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The American Mill Spouse. Until next time. <laughs>